Hey friends and welcome to the Revival Fires podcast. This week's message by Trevor Baker is entitled Positioned for Breakthrough. We would love to see you at our Prophetic Seas Gathering from Thursday the 28th to Saturday the 30th of November. Visit our website for full details and to register your place. There is no registration fee. And I want to really come with a message this morning, something that's really been percolating in my heart over the last few months in, in terms of getting a breakthrough. You know, the, the whole thing is this, that so often we're, we're waiting for, you know, an angelic visitation. We're waiting for something spectacular. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't come like that. And, but God still breaks in. And, you know, when we know that there is a breakthrough, life changes. That we can look back, and, and as we look back, we begin to see, or we see what life has been. But when we look forward, after the breakthrough, we know that everything's different. You know, and that's what I really want to get you on this track. See that so often we're, we're trying to move into something, but we don't get the breakthrough. And what happens is we just go around another cycle. We think we've broken through, but we haven't. Now listen, I've got some great news for you this morning. And the great news is this, that for every one of us here, we are probably only going to get about between five and ten breakthroughs in our life. Does that shock you? You see, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about God delivering you. I'm not talking about a time when you haven't got the finance for something and God shows up or there is provision. I'm not talking about that. That's just God's provision. It's not a breakthrough. I'm talking about when your life significantly changes. And listen, if you get money for a washing machine, let me tell you this. Men, our lives don't significantly change. Our wives might, but ours don't. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Listen, when you get a breakthrough, if it is that you've got an old beat-up car, and listen, we've all driven beat-up cars. You know, I drove a car once that had an ejector seat in the back. That meant that when I put the brakes on, the seat in the back flamed forward, you know, and we had to bolt it down. There's times like that. Listen, and when you get a better car, that's not a breakthrough. It's just God's provision. And I'm talking about getting a breakthrough this morning. And that life is going to be different. See, I can remember, listen, when I was, this is the thing that I mean. Because so often breakthroughs come through people. Not through angels. Mary had an angelic visitation, but she needed a Joseph to get a breakthrough. You understand what I'm talking about? You see, angels open up a way for something to happen. But it comes because of people. I mean, I was just a terror at school. Any teachers here? Any teachers here? 
You know, I would have been your worst nightmare in a class. I, I really would. You, you would have had nightmares about me. You know, and no, I wasn't bullshit. I didn't swear at teachers and things like that. You know, if I had a problem, I just didn't show up. And that could last for three or four weeks. You know, and uh, I wanted to enjoy myself. But there came a point in my life in third year where there was a man. See, it's interesting how you remember certain people. See, there was a man called Cuthbert, Mr. Cuthbert. And uh, he was, he introduced foil fencing into our school. We were a secondary modern school. You can tell how old I am. We were a boys' school. We were the school in our area that was the fodder for the carpet factories. I never worked in a carpet factory, so the whole schooling education missed out on me. But that's what they were preparing you for, because Kidderminster was a carpet manufacturing company. They needed people in our school, was one of those schools that would produce the workers um, for those um, factories. But there was this man, Cuthbert, and he saw something in me because I just kept showing up. Remember that. See, sometimes your breakthrough doesn't come the first time you go somewhere. And listen, I, for the... For two years, I would go to the fencing when I was in school. I would go and I would just sit on the bars because my friend was also um, a third year. And so he could enter into the fencing team. I couldn't because I was only a second year. But I would go every week that they were having their practices and I would sit on the, um, the uh, bars, the climbing bars. And so after about a term of sitting there, uh, I can remember Mr. Cuthbert looking up at me and he said, Baker, come on down and can you put on the um, fencing gear? Now, nobody had in second year had ever been involved in the fencing team. And with that, my life changed. Just because somebody saw... Something that I'd been doing, and, and I was waiting for them, but I'd become interested in it. And from that point, I became um, captain of the team, and then I also got my school colours for fencing, and then also fence for the county. Can you see? Now, all that was just because you just keep showing up. Sometimes a breakthrough comes, and listen, my education changed. My attention at school and in terms of going through education changed because of that one man. So I look at the point when he said, Baker, come down. And my life up to that point was a real train wreck. But from that point, things changed at school. You see, those are the breakthroughs that I mean. They come through people. Another person was a man called Watkins. Watkins saw something in me that no one else saw and told me to do something with my life when I wasn't doing anything with it. And he said, if you do this, when you leave this place, your life will be different. I did exactly what he said. And because of that, my life was forever different. I met a man called um, Frank Wilson. Frank Wilson one day was talking about a Jesus who could change people's lives. 
At that point, I asked Jesus to change my life. My life was a mess at 21 years of age, a real mess. And I'm not going to go into that today. But you see, Frank Wilson spoke a message and the message was this. When God breathes on you, your life can change. And so with that, I asked God to breathe upon my life and give me the life that he had for me. You see, and there was a major change in my life. See, those happened over a 10-year period of time. Three major breakthroughs. And then there was another man. You see, I'm talking about getting a breakthrough, but they come through people. Don't think an angel's going to show up and bam, everything is going to change. An angel may touch somebody to get in touch with you. And because you connect with that person, bam, something happens. You see, The heavens belong to the Lord, the earth he has given to man. So that means that every problem, every mountain that we face, God will have a person ready to help you move forward. Come on. You see, and so often we don't pay attention to the relationships that God is bringing into our lives. So what happens is this, we miss the breakthrough and we think that God has been unfaithful to us, but he hasn't. We just haven't recognized the people that he's brought around to us. And so often that's what it's like. You see, a Moses needed an Aaron. And Abraham needed a Sarah. You see, you never get anywhere on your own. And so with all of this, you see, there comes a time when you begin to see that life has radically changed from what it was because you've connected with someone else. Remember Frank, and not Frank Wilson, but um, George Hand saw in me that um, spark that God had put in me declared over me that God had placed a gift of ministry over my life. And then what he did was he asked the church to support both me and Sharon to go off to theological college and the church provided for us. We did not know that when we were preparing. You see, a breakthrough. But how did it come? Listen, an angel didn't come with... You know, 10,000 pounds, it came through the church that we were in. And they gave and gave and gave for us to spend three years in theological college. Do you understand? That's how the breakthrough came. And yes, we were on our knees praying for God to provide everything that we needed. And we did not know what he was doing in another situation of saying to the church, we're going to set up a caring fund for Trevor and Sharon while they're away at college. Can you see? That's breakthrough time. See, and you look at my life now as I look forward, it changed at that point. See, again, when we move from Dudley Uh, from Telford to here. See, that was another changing point. And so when I say to you, there are only a number of breakthroughs that you get in your life. Don't keep looking for a breakthrough every week. You couldn't cope with it even if you had them. Because they bring radical change into your life. Things change from that moment on. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And that's what I want to help you with this morning so that you can get your breakthrough. 
so that you can move on. And listen, I am still looking for another breakthrough. See, the thing is that breakthroughs don't need to stop, but you need to come to the end of what that breakthrough was about. And as you come to the end of what that breakthrough was about, God gives you another breakthrough to move you into another dimension. Hallelujah. And because of that, he is still the way maker. Hallelujah. Listen, the people of Israel, they only went through water twice. They went through the Red Sea and 40 years later they went through the Jordan. You know, we need to get hold of what scripture actually says to us and not to what we think is an easy believism. So the next time an angel's going to show up, we're going to have a visitation, we're going to be taken to heaven, the provision of God's going to be released to us. Yes, all those things are true. But the thing is this. We just have to get on with life, don't we? Are you like me? Just trying to get through, you know? And get through rejoicing. Get through with the sense that God fills you with his presence and joy. And, you know, if I was putting a title to my message this morning, I would put, when the music stops, find your chair. Sometimes we're playing musical chairs and sometimes God brings a point in our lives where we come to a stop. And when we have to look around and try and find the chair. And I just want to touch on the things I spoke last week with you just to catch you up to date and then to develop that a little bit. I don't know how far, but I'm going to go into a bit of a teaching mode this morning. It's not just going to be preaching. You've just had the preach, okay? But just some things of, of a teacher, just so that you get hold of something. And listen, over the last few weeks, I've been reading this book by Bruce Wilkinson. It is an incredible book. It's called The Three Chairs. Listen, buy it. You will be blessed. And, um, and as you just look at this whole concept of three chairs, it's three different lives. It's the life of a committed believer. So here are the three chairs. That's my chair. And uh, every one of us here this morning is sat in one of those chairs. Every one of us. See, this chair is the chair... Of one who is committed. This is the one who's in compromise. And this is the one who's in conflict. Every one of us are in one of those chairs. And you see so often we don't realise it. And because of that everything that we've heard. Everything that we believe is not working. And so here this morning, I want to help you to really move into that place of breakthrough in your life. You see here, the commitment, that is the seed of the saved. 
That is, you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've known what it is to have a salvation forgiveness. And listen, salvation forgiveness, I mentioned it last week. Salvation forgiveness is when you ask, when you come to Jesus Christ and you ask Him to change your life, you ask Him to forgive you for your sin. And that one event in your life, that one time in your life, you are sealed for all eternity. Hallelujah. That nothing can stop you coming out from that place of your salvation. Why? Because God is stronger than your sin. And so here, that's what being saved. So there's a salvation forgiveness. See, that's what it means to be saved. But also then, there is another seat that we sit in, and that is also a saved seat. But in that saved seat, you see, it's a time where we have to know salvation, um, we have to know fellowship, forgiveness. Now, fellowship, forgiveness is our daily walk with God. Fellowship forgiveness is that when something comes into our lives, a thought, a word, a deed, when it comes into our lives and we know it's not God's will for our lives, we know it is sin, is that what we do is we ask God for forgiveness. And he comes to cleanse us in order to restore fellowship to us. So that we have this wonderful reconnection with heaven so that we have this wonderful sense of his presence with us and so often we don't deal with fellowship forgiveness because we just go on week after week month after month even year after year and we don't deal with anything and we wonder why God is a long way off and so for us in this place here that we then live in this carnal and I'll I'll emphasize that for you here this is spiritual so we're saved and we're believing God to speak with us to minister to us we have this spiritual relationship but here in this place we're saved but you see the thing is this there's lots of stuff that we believe there's lots of things that we do that doesn't correspond to this so the pleasures of life the pleasures of life can take you out from this place that doesn't mean to say that God's life for you isn't pleasurable at his right hand are pleasures forevermore that's fellowship and so here we get to this place and what happens at this place we've come We've compromised. And so in that place of compromise, we're not living according to how God wants our lives to be. And then also then we get here and this is where we are unsaved. That is, we haven't yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning and you're in that place. That there's lots of things that you believe, that you have lots of opinions about things, but you haven't come to a place where you've said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life and make that change for me. Because when you do, your life up to that point will be radically different afterwards. That's how you know. And so here, in this place where we're unsaved, is what happens is we live by the natural. 
That is, we, we just live our lives in the natural realm. So everything that we do is conditioned by our environment, our culture, all of those things. So that's how we live our life because we don't have a relationship with God. And so here, as we look at it, how it relates to God, you see here are people that know God. And so what they do, they have a relationship. And so they have a living, vital relationship with God. They know what it is to spend time in his presence. They pray. His word is so refreshing to them. So they read the scriptures. They have an incredible enjoyment of just knowing who this God is and their relationship with God. Why? Because they're in relationship with him. And so here, in this place where they're looking for God in this relationship, is what happens is they become inspired by his presence. Heaven opens up to them. God isn't a God who's a long way off, but he's a God who comes and meets with them. And so that is this relationship here. Here, when you come to the second, how it relates to God, to know God, you see here, this is a close friend. So you've got closeness in this relationship. That's how God wants you to be. That's the relationship that he has for you. That he will talk to you. He will relate the things that he has on his heart for you. That you will become a person of presence. Hallelujah. And in that place of presence, you will be beyond your capacity to actually understand and enjoy everything that God has for you. You sometimes just say, God, I can't take any more. Do you ever feel like that when you're in his presence? There's times I felt like that and I said, God, when I've said to you I can't take any more, I'm a liar. Don't believe me, God. You know, just keep pouring in to my life. And so here in the second seat, and we look about that, and here it isn't close, it's just an acquaintance. Is that how you feel your relationship is with God this morning? That you're just acquainted with Him? It's like, you know, the people across the road from where I live. They're acquaintances. I speak to them, they're nice people, but they're acquaintances. And you talk about everyday things, but nothing too deep. It's just an acquaintance that I don't feel that they have much impact in my life and I don't have much impact in their life. But sometimes we switch that over in our relationship with God. Even as being saved, we feel that God's just an acquaintance. And in that place of acquaintance, is it's not so much about relationship, it's about responsibility. And so our whole life is about being responsible. And so our walk with God is about obedience. It's about have I done the right things. And so in that, can you see, we've started to move away from this close relationship. I know I should do it. I know I should get up, go to church. I know I should go to the prayer meeting, the early prayer meeting. But you know, I, I just, I just can't. Get my head round it. 
Not only that, when the alarm goes off, I just knock it off. Or I wait for it to go off again. And then when it goes off again, I know that's the end to it. But it's just, I just can't be doing with all of these rules and regulations. Why? It isn't anything to do with um, your relationship with God. It's about compromise. There are other things that have come into your life that's more important with your spiritual life. And so in that is what happens is here, a person has put God first. Here, it's self first. And God second. Can you see? That's how we can live our lives. That God is there. I'm not saying he's not there. But we've lost that closeness with him. And you can see that when you talk to people. It's because they, they can get into thinking that it's all about the next project. Do you ever feel like that? It's just the next conference. The next thing that we're going to be doing. See, that's when you get to that place. And so here, let me tell you, God doesn't want projects. God wants people. And when you say that I haven't got a desire for people, you are in a real bad place. You can say whatever you like to say, but let me tell you, you have moved from this place into this place of compromise in your life. Why? Because God is not about projects. And so you look at the next thing, it's just a project rather than seeing it as a way to bless people. Listen, God is not on the project of pineapples or the project of potatoes. When he met with Adam in the garden, he wasn't interested about the size of Adam's pineapples or his potatoes. He was interested in Adam. Do you understand? And so often we get so caught up because we have moved from here to here. The pleasures of life, the lust of the eye and the deceitfulness of riches. That's what John says in John 2 verse 13 to 15. And so here we move into this place. And so here it's all about responsibility. I just can't do with this being responsible. I can't do with Whatever it is. And so what happens is, you know, Trevor, you would not understand my my life is so busy. And you ask yourself, well, why is it busy? Well, I can't do this anymore. And you see, so often, 80% of the work gets left to 20% of the people. Listen, and I'm being serious to us here. And I'll bring this out in a moment. Because so often we say we're part of a body, but we're not. We're just waiting for everybody else to do it. And even when we've got to do it, well, there's, there's something else. And you ask yourself, it's not about, listen, let me tell you, it's not about revival fires at all. Whether revival fires last for another year or 20 years or 100 years, it is not about revival fires. It's about people relating to the presence of God. Once that goes, close the door. And if nobody else will, I will. But you see, so often we quit too soon. 
Because we have got ourselves into a place of compromise, we're filling our lives with so much and so much of God gets put out. And listen, I'm not talking to you about a pastor who should be here preaching to you and spending time in God's word. Let me tell you this. I'm talking about the time when I'm not speaking, preparing or arranging things for you. But it's still the time I have to come back to that place where it's still God's presence for me. Not for you at all. No, my notes that I make in those times of God speaking and my journaling, they're not for you. They're for me. And I still have to cut out that time so that I don't get caught up in project mode, but I get caught up in presence. And the discipline for me is just the same as the discipline for you. Believe me. It is. And so here, we come to this place where it's self first. We'll look at that a little bit more. And then we put God second. And then in the seventh, the the third seat, the seventh, seventh heaven. And let me say this. We get to responsibility point. I would say more from the age of 40, 50 is where responsibility starts to kick in. And where our sense of relationship with God goes. Why? Because we have more responsibilities. And what happens is we focus more upon what we're doing rather than on what God is doing. Listen, God wants to bless your life. He really does. And listen, I'm not talking about God blessing your life for revival fires. I'm talking about blessing your life for you. Just for You, little old you. God wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future. But you'll never know that if you're not in that place of closeness and relationship with him. You won't. It will always be second hand. Getting it from someone else. Allowing someone else to give it to you. I'm giving it to you this morning so that you can go away and you can move back into this place. But in the third seat here, it's awareness. So we have an awareness of God. And it's not that we have a relationship or that we're uh, in that place of acquaintance. We're just aware of God. Well, we have to know that When you look at nature, somebody must have put it together. You know, there must be something out there that's greater. And so here we we have an awareness. And the only spiritual thing, and I said this last week. And so with with the, the third seed, they see God as religion. And what do I what do I mean by that? So let's put that in. So they see God as, well, you've got religion. And what that means is, well, sometimes religion is good. Well, you know, I mean, you, as they say, you hatch, match, and dispatch. You know, so you go for dedication, then you go for marriage, and then you go for burial. And most people... And I'd say most, there are some people that have no desire at all to go to church, but they still believe something. And so here, 
is what happens, religion fills a place. So they want to get married. In, well, we'd love to get married. So we'd love to get married in a nice church. And, um, you know, one that's got nice stained windows. And we'll have some, that would make really good pictures. And then we'll be able to show people the pictures. See, there's not, that's religion. It has nothing to do with relationship or about being acquainted with God. Or about being in a place And here is what you have in terms of where the person is. It's self only. So they look at life from a very selfish point of view. And with that then, they find it very difficult. Yes, there are causes that they will get behind. You know, let me just say this. I mean, I I am, I am absolutely flabbergasted at Extinction Rebellion. I I just cannot understand. Listen, God has made us stewards, so before you start attacking me, just listen to me a moment. God has made us stewards of this world. We need to steward our lives. And in the stewarding of our lives in relationship with God, God may give us responsibility to steward more. The other thing is this, when you're talking about Extinction Rebellion, I have seen the pictures, I've seen the people, and most of it is people my age, who have got lots of wealth behind them, not the ordinary person down the road from me, or the person in Dudley, who is struggling to find get through life, and yet we're more concerned with what it is with a bottle or with something else, then we are concerned with getting someone else who's in poverty out of poverty. I want to see people's lives change, because when people's lives change, is what they do is they want to change the world and the environment that they live in. And also, you can't make something positive out of a double negative. Extinction Rebellion is a double negative. Listen, we've heard this for years in terms of our own counselling. And our own counselling says you can never reinforce a positive with a negative. And so here, see, we live, what's what I mean by living for ourselves? Because we're living to think that we're the only ones who can change everything think around. Listen, God is still the God who's on the throne. And we do not abdicate our responsibility, but we do come to a place where he has it all in hand. He wants our lives to so change, so that we haven't got an acquaintance, but we have a living close relationship with him. And I do think that he would be able to tell us exactly what we should be doing with our time, with our energy, with our resources. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's. Which he has stewarded to us. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise, can you? And so here, you know, we do have to look at all of those things. But you see here, here's a person who is informed by what this person, or informed by this seed. But this person is enlightened. They are enlightened with certain things that they pick up. Opinions, culture. And so there is this enlightenment that comes on, comes into their life. They just have a wake up morning where they need to do something. And so out of all of that, we then move to how we allow our lives to be influenced. 
And listen, this will have a major impact in our lives. It really will. You see, for the person who is closeness, he looks at the scriptures. And listen, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about having a dry Bible reading. I'm talking about having a real living, meaningful relationship with God. You know, just recently, this is what I mean, having 40 years of reading the scriptures, I still have to come to the point and say, God, speak to me afresh. You know, speak to me afresh. And I'm just looking at how God speaks, how God speaks to people. The first person that Jesus spoke to And I know somebody said they spoke to his mom and dad first. I know. I said, okay, I understand that. But, you know, the first person that we find Jesus speaking to are the two disciples that leave John to follow him. Do you know what he says? What do you want? You know, that was his first, the first statement that Jesus makes. What do you want? And they said, "We, we want to know where you're staying or Another rendering is, we want to know how long you're going to be living here. See, there's a difference. And then he says to them again, come and see. So there's an invitation to know more. See, that's what I want. I want to know that invitation. You know, Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And Jesus, the next statement is, here is a man in whom there is no God. He's a man of integrity. There's nothing about his life. He's a man of integrity. And in that place of integrity, he says to him, I saw you. He said, how do you know me? He said, I saw you yesterday. God knows our yesterdays as well as our tomorrow. And he says to him, you know, these were, he says, you believe, he says, you're the Christ. Just in that statement, you're the Christ. Can you undo a bottle for me? Or give me a bottle of water that's there, getting dry. Thank you. And he says, and I'd never seen this before. See, often we think it's just a personal thing. Between Jesus and Nathaniel. And he said, To heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You're going to see things like you've never seen before. Isn't that good? Do you want to know the next project? Or do you want to just know me? And so here, he's informed by scriptures. Oh, you know. What about the passages that you've had from God that have directed your life like the rudders to your life? If any man is in Christ, is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's a, that's a rudder to my life. But also, I have the, the prophetic words, the, the Rima words of God, the, the Logos words of God that speak into my life. How much do I earn of my commitment? Are you with me? And so because of that is what happens. We just let it go. And we never see what God wants to bring into our lives. So we never get the breakthrough that we long for. And so we're shaped by his word to us. And out of that, we see ourselves then working in order to fulfill the calling of God upon our lives. In the second seat It's that we 
are informed by or shaped by other Christians. It's other Christians' beliefs. It's other Christians, what they think about it. And so we go, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so we don't spend time in that relationship with God, but we have a lot of acquaintances. And so we're living on secondhand information all the time. And so what happens is other people's, other people's beliefs begin to enter into our life. And we have that all the time. We have it with regard to finance. We have it with regard to family. We have it with regard to husbands, wives. We have it with regard to... Because we give up that because we don't have that close relationship with God. I want you to have a close relationship. I want you to know His presence. In His presence, His fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so that person, the second chair, because he's informed by other people and he has a belief system, yes. But he wants God to bless his job. He wants God to bless his family. He wants to be a person who's blessed. And, and he uses that information to inform him. Do you understand? And so with that, what happens, he is shifting away. So any opinion will go. Because he's looking for something and he's still seeking after something because he knows he's not enough in himself. And that's a great place to be. But it will bring you into conflict. And so do we go to God in order for him to show us what we should do with our business how we should move into our mountain. I was given a book by um, Julie a couple of months ago. Now I need to give it to back in a little while. But I haven't finished reading it yet. On um, the um, Seven Mountain Renaissance. And one of the early statements that he says is this. You know, so often we get so caught up with this aggressive um, view of living our lives or this aggressive view of the seven mountains when how can I take my mountain? How can I rule the world? And that is my world. And there's an aggressiveness that comes out because what's happened? We become project-based rather than presence-focused. Can you see? We need to keep that presence-focused. Otherwise, we do become aggressive. We're asking God to bless all of our endeavors because we want to move on to the mountain of business. And so that's all we ever talk to God about is our business or what we're doing rather than what he is about. See, all of these, it's so subtle as it comes in and creeps in upon our lives. And then the other, not scriptures, not other Christians, this person looks for society to give them a lead. So it's society's thinking. So it's what is coming through. And listen, we're getting a lot of things thrown at us over the last few weeks. And we'll have more as we go into these next four weeks. All of society's whims and wishes of what we should do, how we should live our lives. And so here then is that we become really informed or enlightened by what society thinks so what society thinks about marriage what society thinks about husbands and wives what society thinks about relationships what society thinks about lgbt now they've stuck on cue you know and it just keeps going on the last count that there was a hundred different 
um, sexual orientations you could have. You know, this is being informed by society. You know, when I've got a granddaughter and she is now having to make decisions about who's 11 years of age and having to make decisions in her school and in her class because there are people there that say that they are orientated towards same-sex relationships. Listen, we are in a hell of a state. Let me tell you, at some point the church has to change. And it isn't about us attacking, it's about us getting back to that relational place with God. That's where things change. And so here we're informed by society. And listen, that creeps in. When you're in this place of compromise, you will both hear from this side and hear from this side. And your thinking will change. And it will change in who is speaking the loudest and also what you feel about it too. Let me tell you, God is not interested about our feelings. He is interested about truth because it's truth that sets us free. It's truth that gives us freedom. And truth here is something that comes out of our closeness and relationship, not out of acquaintance and responsibility, and certainly not out of awareness and religion. Truth sets us free. And we need to understand God is still speaking to us. Hallelujah. And in that is that no longer are we living by other people's opinions. We come back to the place of convictions and beliefs, not opinions. And so we're not seeing life as a proving ground for something else. Now that's just my introduction. And so here this morning, and I'm not going to go into much else for you today. But you see, the thing is this, we have to get back to a place where we come into close relationship with God. We really do. That is not only our hope, but it is the hope of the world. See, and I want you to understand where you are. Where are you this morning? What chair are you sitting on? I've opened it up and up. See, how, do you have clarity of God's best for your life? You know, is that clear for you? Your ability to look beyond the present and into the future. Your ability... To be empowered in order that you can grow spiritually. You see, if we're wanting a breakthrough, let me tell you some things. A breakthrough is moving to a place of advancement where you go all the way through and beyond enemy lines. That's what they say. A breakthrough is another one. An act or instance of removing or surpassing an obstruction, a resistance or a um, restriction. You see, and God wants us to move all those restrictions out of our ways, but he has enabled us because he wants us to live as those who have close relationship with him. It isn't about having a religion. It isn't about your responsibilities. It's about coming to a place, even today, coming to a place where you come from the place of compromise and you come back to the place of conviction. Conviction is this, that Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ forgave you all your sin. That's a conviction. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
See, Jesus Christ is having that conviction that Jesus is more interested about you as a person. And he wants you to become mature. He wants you to grow into all that he has for your life. He wants you to have a breakthrough which allows you to develop, which allows you to move into a place where you can achieve all that he has for your life. See, what do you, what do you want? You know, when the music stops, we have to move chairs. Well, the music stopped about half an hour ago. And it's time for us to move chairs. You may be here this morning, and for you, you know that you've just switched chairs. You've gone from a place of closeness to a place of acquaintance. Compromise. It's an awful word, isn't it? Compromise. Because you're neither one thing or another. You're not walking with God the way that you used to. And if that's you, would you put your hand up? Thank you, Lord. Anyone else this morning? And you're just wanting to step into a new chair. See, it's there for you. Thank you, Lord. So why don't we all stand right now? And if you put your hand up this morning, what I want you to do, see it's doing something. And what I want you to do, and there's quite a number of people who put their hands up for different things. What I want you to do is to just come down to the front because I want to pray for you. That is you stepping out from the place, moving from the chair that you've been in to a new place. So just come. If that was you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big clap this morning. else and you know you should be here just come down I started with telling you some experiences this morning and those experiences were that I came to a point that my life got a breakthrough when I look back from that point everything had changed and when I look forward everything was different that's the place you're at this morning things are going to be different and I want you to pray this prayer after me so let's all bow our heads and pray just repeat this prayer Lord Jesus I come to you this morning and I ask that you would save me Lord I ask that you would forgive me I receive you as my saviour And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for receiving me. Now I give you permission to change my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.